Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. chapter 19. We're just going to read a few verses. Today we're talking about Elijah. Somebody say Elijah. Elijah is a powerful man of God, a prophet, and we're going to read about one of the most difficult moments, if not the most difficult moment of his life. And this is where we're picking it up in 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 1. One more time if you're there, can you say amen? amen? Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. Elijah, the prophet, the man of God, the hero of the faith was afraid and he arose and ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to pause here. We'll pick it up in just a moment and read the rest of the story. But 1 Kings chapter 19, the great man of God, the great Elijah, the hero of the faith, is running for his life. He's depressed. Literally ends up in a cave, in a cave of defeat, in a cave of fear. And he's asking God to take his life. Today, I think looking at Elijah, all of us are going to be encouraged. And hopefully as we lean in, we see how good God is and how he does call us to run with horses. And so today, if you're taking notes, I want to talk to you from this title, Voices in the Cave. Voices in the Cave. We love taking notes at church. I believe Peter's going to check them at the gate of heaven. And the more notes we have, the better VIP we get. Can you smile at the person next to you one more time? Make it really awkward. All right, let's pray. We'll talk about Elijah for a few minutes and then we'll worship Jesus one more time. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Spirit of God, that you're here, that you love us. Thank you for all that you've done in our church. Thank you that you are on the move in our family. Thank you for every person connected, every service. Thank you, Spirit of God, that you come to heal, deliver, save today, that you come to call us out of the dark places into your marvelous and glorious light. And so even now, I pray that you start ministering to hearts and speaking to hearts and you start opening up our eyes to the wonders that you have for us, God. You're awesome. You're beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in this church, all that you're doing, and all that you will do. We thank you. We give you all the glory, all the honor. Thank you for bringing the best soccer player in the world. Bless Leo Messi and uh, into Miami. In Jesus' name, all of God's people say Amen. Oh, come on. All of God's people say Amen. 11 a.m., can you make some noise for Jesus? Come on, additional seating online. The great prophet of God, 
Elijah, the hero of the faith, the man of God that everybody knows about, the one who has seen God move in an incredible way, is running for his life. He's afraid, he's discouraged, basically depressed. He's laying down and he's asking God to take his life. His own feelings and emotions are betraying his conviction in God. What a moment. Fear is getting the best out of him and it is stopping him, paralyzing him from moving forward into all that God has yet to do in his life. Has fear ever paralyzed you? Researchers are studying the roar of a tiger. I don't know if you've ever heard the roar of a tiger. If you've ever been near a tiger, I will tell you I don't ever want to be close to one. I don't need to. I see one on YouTube and I'm good with that. But they are studying the roar of a tiger. There's a research institute in North Carolina that for several years has been studying the roar of a tiger. And they said that usually when a tiger roars in the jungle, it is heard up to three miles away. But they said it is not the loud noise of the tiger's roar that brings terror or fear to its prey. There's actually a low frequency sound that they make that you cannot hear, but you do feel. It's a low level frequency. The human ear can't hear it but every single prey that the tiger goes to capture can feel it. There, there's a low-level roar underneath at the bottom, and this, this low frequency is what causes its prey to literally freeze or to be paralyzed in fear. I read that story and I thought, fear works in the same exact way. It's not usually the big moments in my life of tragedy, of deception. It's not the big moments of life that stop me from moving forward. It's usually the low threats of fear of what tomorrow may bring that stops me from moving forward. A friend of mine says, anxiety is fear of future pain. And I think humanity right now, anxiety is at an all-time high and and I think what we're anxious about is that we don't know what tomorrow may bring. And so, because I don't know if tomorrow we will be full of heartache, sorrow, tears, disasters, tragedy, divorce, death, disease. I stop today believing that God will show up in my tomorrow because anxiety is speaking louder than God. Because my fear has a louder voice than the God that I trust. And so I don't move forward. I don't run with horses. I don't run after all that God has for me because fear, this threat, this low frequency sound is telling me, stop now, Alex. Tomorrow will be full of pain. Tomorrow provision won't come. Tomorrow the healing won't happen. Tomorrow the marriage won't get better. Tomorrow the situation will stay the same. Have you ever been there? And the problem is that we, we look at this fear or hear this fear and we make it much bigger in our mind, in our soul than it actually is. I've shared this story before, but, but when I was about 14, 15 years old, and I'm at my parents' house and I, I'm, I go to sleep. It's, it's late in the night. It's probably around midnight. It's probably two, three o'clock in the morning maybe. And, and I wake up, I wake up, in the middle of the night, I wake up and I, and I find this huge, massive shadow staring at me. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. 
oh my God, and I start praying, I start praying, oh my God, and you grew up in church, I grew up in church, okay, pray for me, I, but, but on top of that, Hispanic church, they just call, call on the name of Jesus, anybody, anybody know the talk, just call on the name, so I'm like, oh, Jesus, 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 I, I used every language, Jesus, Jeshua, Jesus, Jesus, oh my God, in the name of Jesus, I start praying, I am afraid my, my, my palms are sweating. My forehead is sweating. I'm like, oh my God, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you right now. I mean, I got, I got bold and afraid at the same time, right? <laughs> Anybody ever happen to you on this? I'm just scared. I'm scared to death. And I'm like, en el no te reprendo en el nombre de Jesus. I just start. <laughs> I couldn't even speak in tongues, but I faked it. E-D-D-I-E, E-D-D-I-E, just spell Eddie, E-D-D-I-E. I'm, I'm doing everything I can, E-D-D-I-E, in the name of Jesus. And this thing ain't moving, and I'm scared. And until like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, this shadow just watching me. And finally, I mustered up enough courage, and I'm like, I'm turning on the light switch on the other side of my room. I remember in a moment of faith, I got up, and I ran, and I turned on the light. And as soon as I looked... When the light came on, I had left my closet door open in front of my bed, and I had hung up my towel. It wasn't a, sh it wasn't a shadow. It was just a towel. Tell your neighbor, it's just a towel. I know that's, that's funny now, but it wasn't then. Here, here's what I've come to find out is that focus determines faith. In other words, how you look at things, what you look at, will determine a lot of how you move forward in your faith. If I place my eyes on the threats of life, on the fears of life, on the anxious things of life, and if I have the wrong perspective of them, if I, if I make them much bigger than what they are, all of a sudden my problems seem bigger than my promise. My, my situation looks bigger than my Savior. My enemy looks bigger than my God. I have the wrong perspective. You're sitting in the wrong place. You need to change perspective. This is why we come to church on time. We get here five, ten minutes earlier because we're Worship is not just a concert to prepare for a cute message from somebody. No, worship is what we do. It's what we gather. Worship fixes the eyes of our soul to go up a little higher over the week, over the situation, over the problems, over the traffic, over the economic problems, over the wars, over the family, over the man. I lift up my eyes. Come on, somebody. It's what worship does. I want to get a right perspective on who my God is. And so when you worship, it fixes your eyes on how big and how great God is. I just think a lot of us, we've been there where, where this situation, this problem, what I'm up against looks much bigger than my God. And we tend to focus on the wrong thing. And today, maybe there's some of us here online in additional seating. I've been there where today, you know, there's anxiety in your body. You're anxious, you're worried, you're stressed. Can't sleep at night. Some of us in here today, we're, we're making our problems much bigger than our God. What we're up against seems much larger than the God that we say we have faith in. I've made my problems bigger. I've made my situations larger. And there's fear. And it leaves us in a cave of fear. And we're nervous. We're shaking. We can't sleep. There's no peace because my focus is wrong. The psalmist writes in Psalm 121, 
He says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Listen to what the psalmist is saying. This is known as a song of ascent. What does that mean? That all the, the people, all the Jewish people, as they were nearing Jerusalem and they were climbing up the mountains up to Jerusalem, they would sing this over and over. When they were surrounded by enemies, this is what they sang. When there was opposition, when there was threats, this is what they would sing. This is a song that they would sing. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. What were they doing? They were changing their perspective. I know there's enemies against me. I know that they have their bow and arrow pointed at me. I know that they want to come and tackle me down. I know that fear looks bigger. Some of us today, the divorce looks bigger. The health issue looks bigger. The sun on drugs looks bigger. The anxiety problem looks bigger. The no sleep looks bigger. The health issue, the doctor's bill looks bigger. The problem that I'm up against looks bigger. My insecurities look bigger. But today, I'm going to fix my eyes and I'm going to get a right perspective that there's a God that's much bigger. He's the maker of heaven and earth. Oh, he's bigger. There's nothing impossible for him. He towers over the earth. He's the maker of the heavens and the earth. He's all powerful. He's all mighty. Somebody begin to lift them up over your situation. He's bigger than my problems. He's bigger than my situation. He walks on water. He created stars. He made the moon and the stars. He made the waters. He walks over them. He has power and control over all the earth. Come on, somebody. I lift up my eyes to my God. That's the God that I serve. Somebody give him a praise. When your perspective changes, Oh, now faith comes into place and anxiety begins to subdue. Not saying that we won't face anxiety or stress, but now it's in its proper place. And now I have a proper view on what I'm up against. I put it this way today. Trust the voice of faith over the noise of fear. We're living in a world of fear and it takes a moment for you to turn on the news, scroll through your phone and find all kind of noise. Somebody say noise. And I think our, our mind, our soul was not made to take the amount of information that we take in a minute. In a minute's time, you can see what's going on in the, world, in the war across the world. You can find out what's happening in another city. You take graphic videos of people dying, fights, disease, hunger, including the own wars that you're going through in your own personal life. Of course, anxiety is at an all-time high. We weren't created to take all that in. And today, I just think we need to trust the voice of faith over the noise of fear. You were not made to live in a cave. You were not made to live in the dark places of death, fear, and insecurity. And as I was getting ready for today, I promise you this morning, I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning and I started praying for our church. I started praying for today. I literally sensed in my heart today, somebody's coming out of a cave of defeat. Somebody's coming out of a cave of death. Somebody's coming out, out of a cave of fear, of insecurity. Come on, somebody, today you're coming out of a cave in Jesus' name. I don't know who's asked for, but today is your last day in a place of destruction, in a place of death, in a place of discouragement, in a place of depression. In Jesus' name, come on. Somebody say, I'm leaving the cave. How did Elijah end up in a cave? 
This is Elijah. This is the great man of God. I mean, you didn't have to grow up in church to, to possibly hear about Elijah. Everybody knows Elijah. Elijah was an incredible man of God. And we know he comes from the region of Gilead, which was a rough place. It's rough terrain. It's desert kind of place. And God uses the desert moments of our life to mold us and shape us. And so Elijah was a rugged man. And everybody knew who Elijah was. He was a prophet. Prophet man, he heard from God and he spoke on God's behalf. He was a seer. He had visions, and he spoke to God's people about what God would say. Everybody knew Elijah. This is Elijah. Elijah, the powerful man of God. If anybody saw miracles, it was Elijah. If anybody saw God move, it was Elijah. Elijah, there's a widow. There's a widow that loses her son, and who do they call? Elijah. Elijah shows up, and she prays for the widow's son, and he comes back to life. He's, he resurrected the boy from, from dead. This is Elijah. Elijah, the man of God. I mean, he was very well respected. He was feared. The pagan countries, the pagan people feared a lot. This is a hero, a living legend. This is the messy of the Jews. <laughs> Elijah, the goat, right? This is Elijah. Elijah, he prays that rain would stop, and for three and a half years, it did not rain. A drought comes onto the land because God is trying. God sometimes uses pain to call your attention. And so God allows a little bit of pain to happen so that you and I would turn our eyes upon him. And sometimes we're saying, where is God? He's there. He's calling your name in the midst of the pain. So for three and a half years, God is trying to tell his people, leave the false gods, leave what you're doing, leave your pagan ways and come back to the Lord and people aren't paying attention. But Elijah is seeing God move in a powerful, powerful way. When Elijah shows up, everybody knows Elijah is here. Elijah the prophet, this is Elijah. If you go to 1 Kings chapter 18, I'll just kind of give you a short version of the story. It's possibly one of my favorite stories in scripture. First Kings chapter 18, Elijah goes up to the mountain to kind of have a face-off or a standoff with all the false prophets that were living in the land. Are you following me? There was a bunch of false prophets that were telling the people of God, Baal, the false god, was the way. And they were sacrificing to him. It was, it was the God of fertilization. It was the God of, 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 of having kids. And so they were having immoral sexual acts in front of this God. I mean, the, the country was a mess. And so Elijah is calling them back to God. And so they have a standoff in the mountain. Elijah says, you build a platform, I'll build a platform. We'll both call on our gods. The God that rains down fire, that's the true living God. What a standoff. That's better than any Netflix series you ever heard of. And so the false prophets, they start calling on Baal. And the Bible says they call on him for hours to the point where they cut themselves to see if their God would answer. And after hours and hours of them crying and sometimes bleeding, Baal doesn't answer. Elijah literally is mocking them. He's a bad man. I love Elijah. He's like, maybe he's sleeping. Literally, that's what Elijah says. You know what he tells? He goes, maybe your God's taking a bathroom break. He'll be right back. I promise. First Kings chapter 8. Hilarious. Then it's Elijah's turn. And Elijah calls on God. And what happens? God rains down fire. Elijah sees fire fall from the sky and consumes the sacrifice. 
After that happens, he goes, okay, off with all their heads. And he kills over 450 prophets. Bad. Bad to the bone. Elijah. This is Elijah. We get to chapter 19 and things change really quick. 300 years after Samson. Last week, if you were here, we talked about Samson. 300 years later, there's kings now ruling the people of God. 300 years before, when Samson was alive, there was judges, meaning they had no kings, they had judges. Basically, leaders that would help them deal with their situations. 300 years later, there's now kings in place. And if you study the history of this nation, there were wicked kings. Most of them were absolutely wicked, including the ones at this time. The king and queen right now is Ahab and Jezebel. Everybody ever heard of Jezebel? She's become famous in culture. Maybe Jezebel's sitting next to you today. Be careful. I'm kidding. Ahab and Jezebel were absolutely wicked. They, they were far from God. They did detestable things. They took the nation of God far from God. They hated God. They hated godly law. They did whatever they wanted. And so Ahab finds out about what Elijah just did. And he goes and tells his wife Jezebel. Ahab was a weak man. Jezebel was a strong woman. She manipulated him and did whatever she wanted. This is why we need strong men in our culture. A strong man and a strong woman can serve God together. And Ahab goes and tells Jezebel, and Jezebel gives him the threat that you just heard. May the gods do to me what, it, what Elijah just did to the prophets if I don't take his life by this time tomorrow. And Elijah hears this, and what does Elijah do? He runs for his life. This is Elijah. This is the great man of God. This is the hero of the faith. This is what the Netflix series is all about, this great man. Now he's running in fear. Now he's running for his life. No, wait, something happened. You saw fire fall down, bro. You resurrected a boy from the dead. You prayed that it would stop raining and it stopped raining. Right after he kills the false prophets, he says, okay, God, now let it rain. And it starts raining. This is Elijah. When it starts raining, he starts running with Ahab, the king, and he outruns Ahab and his horses. He ran faster than horses. Talk about running with horses. He did it. And now he's depressed, running for his life. And he sits down under a tree and he's discouraged. And he says, oh God, take my life. I want to die. He's threatened by Jezebel, the wicked queen. Today, as we continue in this series, there's some of us today, we're, we're just like Elijah. And we make much of Elijah. We lift up Elijah as this incredible prophet, and he was. He was special, the same way you are special, because you have the Holy Spirit. But we got to be careful not to put our heroes on pedestals as if they're not humans like us. James says in James chapter 5, Elijah, he had a human nature like us. In other words, he was a prophet. Yes, he was a mighty man of God. He saw fire. He ran with the horses. He did all that, but he was human like us. So this mighty man of God ends up in a cave. We'll finish up in just a moment. But today, maybe you're in a cave of defeat. You're in a cave of fear. You're in a cave of shame, of guilt. I sensed in my heart this morning, 
Some people are living in a cave of death. You're dying to all that God has for you. You're dying spiritually, emotionally, mentally. You're dying to the future that God has. How do we end up in a cave? I think we serve a good God. I think we serve an awesome God. So many times we just end up stuck in a cave. How do we end up in a cave? I think three things happened to Elijah. I think number one, for sure he had a loss of focus. We talked about that in just a moment, but he lost his focus. Number two, he lost, he had a loss of friends. And number three, he, he had a loss of facts. What I mean by that is that he lost his focus. He, he focused more on Jezebel, the evil queen, than he did on God who just rained down fire. I came to remind somebody today that the God who delivered you yesterday is the same God who will deliver you today and the same God that will deliver you tomorrow. Come on, that's the God that we serve. He saved you from the accident three years ago. He provided for your family a year ago. For sure, he'll provide for you a year from now. Come on, you need to shift your focus and remember he's the big God. He's an awesome God. He's great and powerful and mighty. I'm fixing my focus. Elijah forgot and just focused on Jezebel. He lost friends. We just read there for a moment. He leaves his servant behind. He had a friend. He had an assistant, a servant that was always with him. Here he goes into a moment of isolation. And isolation is never good for the soul. Calvary, listen to me. We say this almost every week. You're going to hear somebody up here talk about connect groups. But we say that because relationships matter. You need to have somebody in a circle that you talk to. You need to have somebody that you confess to. You need to have somebody that you're accountable to. You don't need to tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody who's praying over you, who's prophesying over you, who's giving you life when you feel like death. And if you feel like you can do it alone, I got news for you. You can't do it alone. Not even Elijah could do it alone. He left a servant behind and he went away in isolation. This past week, our staff team, we went on a, on a staff retreat. And it was about 23 of us and we just gathered all week and hung out talked, prayed, worshiped one morning, what felt like three hours. It was absolutely beautiful. We had a very special morning. We were all just worshiping and praying over one another. And there was a moment where I just looked around and literally it was just Kenny on the guitar and all of us were praying over one another. I just saw people laying hands on one another, praying over our families, praying over our kids. There's blessing in relationship. And I was so thankful for that moment that people are praying over us, that we're praying over each other. You need a friend in your life that prays for you. You need a friend in your life that you can talk to. Isolation is not good for the soul. And then he lost facts. The fact of the matter was that God was not finished yet. The fact of the matter is that God still had more for Elijah. The fact of the matter was that God still had a purpose and a calling for his life. And I'm here to tell you today, God's not finished with you yet. In Jesus' name, there's still more ahead for you. There's still more ahead for your family. There's still more ahead for your marriage. God is not done with you. I don't know what you've been through, but here's what I'm going to tell you. There's a fact that God has a purpose in your life. There's a fact that his hand is over your family. There's a fact that he's given you the Holy Spirit for you to make a difference in our culture and our society. Come on, we have a God that is still able. And I don't know what you've been through, but it ain't over yet. Amen? But we listen to the voices of defeat and fear and anxiety more than we do listen to the voice of God. We'll wrap this up in just a moment. I know it's the second time I say this, but we will. If 
if Elijah was here, if Elijah was here, last week we heard from Samson. Week one we heard from Jeremiah. But, but if Samson, I mean, if, if, if Elijah was here, and if we said, uh, Elijah, what else could you tell us? The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, the, Hebrew, the, the, the hall of faith, that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, meaning there's heroes of the faith that are encouraging us. They're telling us, hey, keep going. Keep running. Run your race. Don't you give up. And I know Jeremiah's there. Samson's there. Elijah's there. And Elijah would tell us, hey, you keep going. Elijah, how? You, you, you were depressed wanting to die. You were contemplating suicide. How? I think Elijah would grab the mic if we gave him the mic today and Elijah would tell us just these last three things. I want you to write them down, but I think Elijah would encourage us this way. Number one, he would say, hey, one of the things that I did is that I remembered God's promises. I remembered God's promises. I think Elijah today would say, hey, you remember all the promises of God and don't you forget. Fear has a crazy effect that makes us forget everything that just happened before. You forget everything for a moment. I have a seven-month-old baby girl, and yesterday around the house, I was scaring her. It's my job as a father to protect her and build her up. <laughs> and so I would hide behind, behind walls, and I would pop out every second. I would just, just like, peek a and I'll scare her, and she would jump and freeze. And then I'll go behind another wall, a few seconds later, I'll come out, peekaboo. For a moment, she was about to cry, frightened, and I look like a terrible father. But then she'll start laughing. But I started thinking, I just went around the wall. Like, you just saw me, but quickly you forgot. Elijah, you just saw fire fall from the sky, and how quickly you forgot that that same God that brings down fire could destroy the Jezebel in your life. Don't you forget God's promise. First Kings chapter 19 verses 4 on we'll just kind of quickly wrap up the story it says he went on a day's journey into the wilderness by himself he sat under a broom tree and he asked that he might die saying it is enough now Lord take away my life I'm no better than my father's and he laid down and he slept under a broom tree but then behold an angel came and touched him and said to him arise and eat and he looked and behold there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water and he ate and he drank and he laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and he ate and he drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Oh, Elijah, did you forget? God is faithful. God has promises that even when you're running, oh, he'll send people to minister to you. He'll provide for you. He'll comfort you. That's the God that we have. Come on, we have promises today. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask, think, or imagine. And when I'm weak, he's strong. And he'll show up and strengthen me. He'll give me strength that I, I didn't even know I had. It's supernatural. When God shows up, oh, he'll do what you can't imagine. Today you need to remember, Elijah would say, remember the promises of God. Elijah would say, I forgot him for a moment. I was depressed. I was in a cave. I wanted to quit. I wanted to die. But there God showed up. That's the God that we have. Today you're running from him. Today are you in a cave of fear, of defeat, of death, of insecurity? You better open your eyes. God has a croissant and a latte next to you. As the promises of God, they are yes and amen in Jesus. Brian Tracy said, 95% of our emotions are determined by the way we talk to ourselves. 
I think Elijah will say, what are you forgetting? Number two, he'll say, what are you remembering? It's not just what we forget. What do you remember? What are you talking to yourself over and over about? Sometimes we remember more our problems than we do God's promises. They're just in our mind constantly. The prophet Jeremiah, which we talked about on week one, he does this a lot. In fact, he wrote a book called Lamentations. He's known as the weeping prophet, meaning he cried over his city so much. And in Lamentations, he gets to this part where he's literally throwing himself a pity party. He's down and out, he's depressed, he's discouraged. Symbolically, he's in a cave as well. Lamentations chapter three, look what he says. Remember my afflictions and my wanderings. The wormwood and the gal, my soul continually remembers it. This is how some of us are today. We're continuing to remember the person that left us. We're continuing to remember the health issue. We're continually remembering, I don't have enough. And in verse 21, it's like a light switch comes on from one verse to the next. But this I call to my mind, therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Every morning, you need to get up and remember all of God's promises for your life. Every morning, you need to wake up and say, his mercies are made new each and every day. I got new mercy. I got new grace. I got new strength. I got new hope. I got new peace. Come on, every single morning, you need to get up and declare God's promises over your life. Elijah would say, remember the promises. Number two, I think he'll say, remember God's presence because God promised to never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says that Elijah went to the desert. He went off to the wilderness. Mount Horeb is the desert. He went off to a mountain by himself, to the desert places by ourselves. Some of us today, it feels like you're in the desert. There's people in here today, it feels like you're in a desert by yourself. You're lonely, it's hot. People don't understand what you're up against. And sometimes we get mad at God when we're in the desert. Can I tell you, God uses the desert to mold us. First Kings chapter 19, verses nine on, it says, there he came to a cave and he lodged himself in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? I don't know who this is for today here, additional seating online. God is, God is telling you, what are you doing in this cave? Elijah says, I've been jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They throw down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. Only I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And then God says, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore through the mountains and broke it in pieces. He broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, it says that he covered his face with his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And then behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here? I think many times we think God's not with us and we're like, God, where are you? You don't know what I'm up against. You know my economic problem, I'm overdrafted today. I gotta pay the rent this week. God, you know the health issue, you know the marriage problems. God, you know my kids have gone crazy. God, where are you? And many times what we want is this big, glorious, spectacular move of God to deliver us out of a situation. God, I need a miracle today. And what we want is a wind, what we want is an earthquake, what we want is fire. 
But I've learned in my short, very young life that many times we see God not in great acts of deliverance, but in great acts of sanctification. Meaning, sometimes his primary goal is not to get you out, but to work in. We all want the helicopter to come and take us out of the problem immediately. Take me out of the situation today. You ever had a moment where you just think, if I had an ideal life, God, if tomorrow I wake up and I had the ideal life, I just wake up and I have $5 million in the bank, everything would change? God, tomorrow if I just didn't have this health issue, everything would change. The truth is, no matter what you may desire, that's not going to change anything. What God wants to change is your character more than your circumstance. And it's not that God's not there, he's in it. But what we need to do is listen to the voice of God in the whisper. Maybe today God is whispering today. What you need to do is to realize that the low frequency sound of fear will never drown out or be greater than the whisper of God. I think there's a whisper of God that today wants to sweep across our souls. And where the low frequency of fear comes to paralyze us, the whisper of God comes to propel us forward. I think Jeremiah would say, don't you forget God's presence. Elijah would finish and saying, hey, I remembered God's promises. I remembered God's presence. And then he said, hey, before anything else, remember God's plan. I'll ask the band to come up and we'll finish up. But I think Elijah would say, man, I was in that cave and I was desperate. I, I wanted God to take my life. I had thrown in the towel. I said, God, I'm done. I'm finished. This is how my life is going to end. Dying in a cave of defeat, in a cave of shame, in a cave of guilt, in a cave of insecurity. And many of us are there today and you think this is how your life will look like the rest of your life. You'll never move forward. You'll never be able to have victories again. Your marriage will never be what it once was. Your family will never be what it once was. And it's all low-level threats of the enemy. You'll never recover from that economic problem. You'll never lift up your head again. No, you're always going to be in a cave of defeat the rest of your life. Hey, you'll never be able to serve God the way you once did. You'll never be able to break free from that addiction. You'll always be the addicted one. You'll always be the bound one. Shame and guilt will forever follow you all the rest of your life. And, and you're making plans based off that low-level threat of the enemy. That's true. That voice is true. So I'm, the voice in the cave is telling me the truth. So, so I'm just going to die here. I'm going to die to my future. I'm going to die to my destiny. I'm going to die to the purposes and the plans of God. And today, some of us are making our own plans when God is saying, oh, it's not over until I say it's over. And I sense that in my heart, God is saying, it's not over until I end your story. Nobody else is going to write it for you. But you need to believe that his plan is better, that his plan is greater, that he'll pick you up out of that cave. He'll bring you out of that cave and he'll say, what are you doing in there? It's time to get out. Get out of that cave of fear. Get out of that cave of insecurity. Get out of that cave of death. Get out of that cave of dysfunction. Get out of that cave of addiction. Get out of that cave of shame. Get out of that cave of guilt. In the name of Jesus, I'm coming out of that cave. I won't stay in darkness forever. There's a God that 
said, hallelujah. 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 Can I tell you, I've listened too many times to the voice of defeat. I've listened too many times to the voice of failure. Yeah, I've been there. I've listened too many times to the voice of insecurity. And I've been in caves. I remember about 13 years ago, me and Diana were looking for a new church. We had left the church. If you would ask me then, I was bitter, I was upset. I grew up in church and I just was sick of it. And I was coming up with my own plan. <laughs> I won't ever go to church again. I'll just watch online. <laughs> there wasn't even an online church back then, but I'll see something. I was mad because humans are humans. And I was describing that to God as if God had anything to do with it. I had mad my plan, but God had his plan. That was over 13 years ago, 13 years later, here we are with over 2,000 people weekly hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. 62 people gave their life to Jesus last week. All I'm saying is your story is not finished yet. I think Elijah would say, remember God has a better plan. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, I'm gonna ask Pastor Phil in a moment to come and encourage us right before leaving, but this morning, I just felt a verse land on my heart and wanted to share it, but with every eye closed, Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I'm God. And the same way that the threats of fear can paralyze you, I'm praying that the whisper of God this morning will come to push you forward. I'm praying that the whisper of God calls you out of that cave right now in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus. Be still. Be still. There's a whole lot of noise around you. Listen, be still. Let the whisper of God minister to you. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. He's the heart surgeon. And he's operating right now in your heart. Come out in Jesus' name. Come out of that cave of death. Come out of that cave of fear. Come out of that cave of discouragement. Come out of the cave of depression. Come out of that cave of shame and guilt. Come out. Come out in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you're leaving that cave now. You're leaving that cave of addiction. You're leaving that cave of 
fear, deception, dysfunction in Jesus' name. He's calling you out. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that this week you spend some time with God. You find moments of silence, of solitude. Turn off the phone, turn off the TV. Sit down with God somewhere for a minute, for five minutes. And the whisper of God will be louder than the noise of fear. What are you focused on? With eyes closed, head bowed, one last group of people to pray for. If you don't know Jesus, then you say, Alex, I need Jesus. Last week, over 60 people made this decision. Maybe today you're saying, I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. I got sin in my life. Maybe you know you've done wrong. You're saying, there's no way God can love me. I want to tell you, God loves you more than you can imagine, but he can't be with sin. Sin separates us from God, and sin brings death to our life. And many of us, we, we're feeling that death already. But the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life. In other words, the enemy meant this for evil, but God will turn it for good. Mm. He wants to give life to you today. You've been sinning. You've been running from God. You've been far from God. You've been in a cave of sin. Today, he's calling you out. The Bible says that Jesus came. He went up on a cross, and he took my sin, your sin. All of us are sinners. Nobody's perfect. He died for me, and he died for you. The Bible says he died on that cross. He paid the penalty for sin for all of humanity. He went down to a grave. He was dead for three days, but after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. Every eye closed, every head bowed across the auditorium, additional seating online. Today, if you don't know Jesus, I want to tell you he's alive. He's the peace that you've been looking for. He's the hope that you've been searching for. It's not found in another bottle of alcohol, in another one-night stand, in more money, the peace, the hope, the grace that you've been looking for, the tranquility that you need is only found in Jesus. He wants to forgive you of all your sins today. The Bible says, what must we do to be saved? It says, believe in Jesus with all your heart. Confess him with your mouth and you will be saved. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here and you say, Alex, I need Jesus. Today, I need forgiveness for my sins. I know I haven't been living right. I've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. I've ran from God. But today, I want a brand new beginning. I want a clean slate. The Bible says that this is the day. Whenever your eye closed, every head bowed in a moment of privacy, in a moment of prayer. If you're here and you say, Alex, pray for me. I need Jesus. I want Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I just want to see you raise it up high enough, long enough for me to see you, then you can put it right back down. Everybody else praying. Here, additional seating as well. We got leaders and pastors back there. If you're saying, today I'm making that decision. When I count to three, you raise up your hand, and after a second or two, put it right back down. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. Raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. I see you, 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 I see you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. I see you, I see you, I see you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. An additional seating online, let us know in the chats. Whenever your eye closed, whenever your head bowed, we're going to say a simple prayer. All of the church out loud in one voice. Come on, let's repeat this prayer with all we got with our family. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am saved, I'm forgiven, 
and I'm healed. Amen. Let's put our hands together, church, for so many hands that went up. Amazing, seriously. It's why we do what we do, that at the end of every service, we'd give people opportunity to make the best decision of your entire life that your future was once in one direction, now it's bound for heaven and your purpose on earth is made anew and you have a brand new life with Jesus by your side. And that we also know that there could be questions and maybe you're trying to navigate what it looks like to be a believer in Jesus. We wanna help you as a church and if you can, after service, if you raised your hand, we have a free gift for you and there's a Bible in here that's super easy to read, full of incredible resources. There's also a free coffee voucher from our awesome Circle Cafe. Many, many things in here. We want it's just a gift from us to you, no strings attached. We're not gonna ask for $5 later down the road, no, something like that. We wanna just give you this gift and make sure that you would remember that this is the day that you made a decision to follow after Jesus. No turning back, no, like just, I want you to know that this is your day. And so grab this gift and it's a gift from us to you. Let's put our hands together one more time.